0: Do you think I could come in?
1: I'm so sorry. Um, I'm actually, I'm not feeling good. Can you just hold on just a? And she's gonna start fake retching while holding her mouth. Oh,
0: oh, uh, okay. Um,
1: and she's gonna slam the door and and uh, she's gonna uh, just kind of hurriedly, quickly go to the parlor and just be like. Okay, you guys need to, you, you need to hide Marcus. You need to hide him right now. There is a warden at the door. um, And I don't know how good I can lie to a warden. um, And I, uh, so please just, just hide him. Um, could, could be outside the house. Could be inside the house. I don't know. I don't care. Um, Take him somewhere. Uh, don't let me know where Des. he is.
0: Des, Des, huh Warden Beaumont pipes up. I'll, I'll handle this. You just do something about Marcus. I'll take care of this. And uh, Marcus just, kind of gives him a bit of a look and they they share a moment where they're looking at each other and it's just sort of that tense beat of deciding if they can trust each other or not and um marcus actually like breaks gaze first sort of uh, letting beaumont kind of get the impression of like all right i'll follow your lead on this one So he's reluctantly and wordlessly agreeing to go along with it. So Beaumont just says, I'll, I'll talk to him outside. You take care of whatever it is you're going to do in here. Okay. The less I know, the better. Okay.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Okay. Okay. And And also,
1: um, if if he asks, I'm, I'm not well, I am quite sick.
0: Yeah, I heard. And he just, (laughs) he marches (laughs) his way up to the door uh, and you you hear him say, hey, oh, Warden Chaplin, it has been a minute since I've seen you. And he shuts the door. So if anybody wants to try to hear it's, you know, on the other side of a door, not exactly right in front of you. Uh, it's in a different part of the house. And so, yeah, he's it's muffled. But you could try to listen in if you wanted. Uh, in the meantime, you have. A, you have a Marcus in the room, and you have the four of you.
2: Okay, so.
0: Um.
3: I am um, I'm I need to go to my, I need to go and invoke for a little bit. I've got a bit of a plan. It's not necessarily a good one, and it's one I've kind of got a handle on my own, mostly, but uh, I'm thinking it's time I finally lived up to the name Emissary of Odin, and uh got myself a word with some of the who's who of the Winter Court about this
1: matter. Should he okay. should should he go up to the the, the attic with you, maybe?
2: Who, hey, Marcus? Yeah. No, absolutely not.
1: Basement. Albion,
2: go do whatever you're going to do. It can't be the worst idea that's suggested. Y- you know, you say that now. Go before I change my mind.
3: <laughs> Albion is heading upstairs. He is already pulling off his shirt as he goes. <laughs> okay. Des And he grabs his paint off of a nearby countertop.
2: Des, you're not necessarily in the right mind for plan making. Sly, you're smart. You can think of something too, I'm sure. Ro, I don't know you that well. What do you two got?
4: Um that that's it. Um I Great. I don't Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, there's... I
1: there's a lot this is happening. Um, if, if they don't see us, maybe we could use the way and maybe go to, through to the, the sandwich shop for Corners of the Earth. It's a of neutral territory. At least you might be safe there.
2: That is also not the worst idea.
3: Albion pokes his head back in. Yeah, it's kind of like the Continental from John Wick, you know. You can't pull the trigger there. You're, You're explaining that to me, a wizard. Go! <laughs> I'm saying that. I'm just saying that because I wanted to make the reference. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, Jesus oh.
4: Christ. So, well, okay, if you guys want to, like, sneak out the back, I can let Doofus at the front door know,
1: um, so he can meet us there later.
2: This is Dez's house. Dez should stay here.
1: I, I should probably stay. He already knows I'm here. He doesn't know anyone else is here right now except for Beaumont, and he's talking to him right now.
2: You know what? You know who I'd feel safest in the company of right now? And he just looks right at Sly.
1: Okay, so maybe you guys kick go to I've
2: seen you throw down. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've seen you kick shit. You want to go get a sandwich? Yeah, sure. Yeah, right. Okay, great. Plan made.
1: Okay, um, just let me know when you get there safe, maybe? Um, text me?
2: I'll have Sly text you.
1: Yes, I was talking generally.
2: Okay. You know what? I don't know where Chaplin is. So, Ro, can you make yourself useful and veil us and then get back into the house, maybe?
4: Uh, yeah, that should, not like, I'll have to escort you to where he can't see, but yeah.
2: Yeah, the hydrangea bush in the back. That's where I need to go.
4: Oh, yeah, shit, that's easy. Cool.
0: All right. He is already moving, uh... He's keeping himself low so that he's like out of sight, if possible, and moving toward the back of the house.
4: Okay, Um, I'm going to follow and veil.
0: Good. So how strong of a veil are you going to be using? And you are going to have to be throwing it down with a plus one for the fact that you're covering multiple people. So whatever number you call, the veil is going to be one strength less.
4: Alright, um... So I'm gonna do a five. Go for a five, then. Cool! Alright. Alright, that is a four, so it's actually a three.
0: Okay, so you have this veil and you think that it's a little better than it actually is. So, uh, imbued with only a slight bit of false confidence because, hey, a three is still very good. Um, you are... You are allowing Beaumont and Sylvester to move through the backyard and you're pretty sure that they will be undetected as you go. I'm going to have everybody make a quick stealth roll, if you could, and you get to add these three strength of the veil to that roll. So Sly and Ro, please make a quick roll for stealth.
4: Uh, hell yeah. It's a six. Love it. What
0: did we get, Darius? Uh, two. You got a minus one? Uh,
5: I got a one, a minus one, a zero, and a minus one.
0: Damn. Okay. (laughs) Oh, no. Okay. Good. So, you would have pretty well botched that, but Ro is doing her best to keep you, uh, obscured. So... Given everything, and the fact that you don't seem to have direct line of sight to uh, this person uh, that you're trying to be stealthy from, you don't think you've been noticed. It seems like you've gotten away with it. Uh, And now, Ro, I'm going to have you make me another quick roll, uh, because you're going to have to try to maintain this and sort of morph it in a way that it's going to obscure... A way into the never-never, so give me a new, give me just a brand new, uh, roll.
4: Okay. So that's just a flat two.
0: Okay, well this is a deceit roll.
4: Oh, okay, so that's a six, sorry.
0: Yeah, yeah, this this is you doing veils.
4: Got it, got it. That's a six. Yeah,
0: okay, cool. All right, uh, you are pretty sure that that's gonna be enough To cover the tear in reality that you have to sort of pretend isn't there and pretend it's so hard that nobody else notices. So I am going to offer you uh, as a backup automatic success, but you have to be really in tune with the with the never never and your face side and i'm going to force you to roll against the choice right now for an automatic success
4: all right okay i
0: didn't even tell you uh how how strong <laughs> of a compel
4: i got too excited i'll do it again okay um so
0: would you like to do that would you like to take that risk yes okay so you are Getting close to this point, and this is a point that you have literally traveled through multiple times now uh, with Dez and Beaumont and Marcus. So you're feeling more and more attuned to this point that seems to be kind of attuned itself to the never, never more so than the area around it. Because uh, being able to open a way it's easiest at a point where there's this natural connection already. And Des's hydrangeas, for some reason or another, seem to have some extra bit of, I guess, uh, attunement to the summer court uh, and the realm of summer. So this is your thing. This is your domain. You're feeling it. And you start feeling that choice inside of you, that connection, tell you to just embrace it and become one with that sensation. So you are going to be rolling a deceit compel against a four.
4: Okay. All right. How does my seven do? Hmm.
0: You are able to remind yourself that you are standing on solid ground the solid ground you were born on and that you have more connection to. And you're not going to forget that you're a child of both worlds. You feel both and you feel connected to both at the same time and do not feel the need to choose. So you get, you get that push down so you're not forced to make the choice. And you are perfectly obscuring a tear in reality as Marcus and Sylvester uh, do a little hop-skip up into the air, and disappear. Now, Ro, mm-hmm. get get back to the house, unseen and unheard. Give me one more stealth roll, because you are going to have to open and close the door again.
4: All right. Oh, I can't use, like, a, a propped-open window? <laughs> Come on. Why would
0: right. Des have propped-open windows?
5: So,
4: yeah, that's why would two. Des?
1: Yeah, weirdos um, could get into my house. <laughs> That's a 2 I'm You're not letting out all the AC. That great.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to go with your original veil of three applying to yourself. Okay. I'm going to let you go back down, scale that power back to where it was. So, mm-hmm. yes, uh, you get to add your, your three because you're, still, you're okay. still veiling, I assume.
4: Cool. So that's, that's a five total then.
0: Okay, great. You are able to obscure the motion and the sound enough that you are confident that you have totally gotten away with this so you're back in dez's house upstairs in the attic what is going on uh i am
3: currently performing a ritual to try and invoke an emissary of the winter court uh i'm i don't know if i'm willing to call mab personally it's probably gonna go bad for me if i do but i do know that i have laid I have, you know, paint, gotten the blue paint on my face, on my body. I have laid out the offerings on the uh, altar, and, um, I actually cut my finger a little bit to add a little bit of blood to it to empower it further. And then I lay, gu- I, I think I mentioned this, but I lay Gugnir in front of me as a symbol of my position. I speak okay. as an emissary of Odin, as an emissary of the one called the Allfather, as a protector Of Burlington, Vermont. I call to the Winter Court to an emissary of Mab, Queen of Air and Darkness, for an audience. I do this on my name, Albion Graves, and on the power I wield in my office as an emissary of Odin. Awesome. Okay.
0: So, (sighs) oh boy, you know, okay. So, you could just talk to some low level flunky of Mab's or you could accept a fate point as I as I uh, compel your trouble here, friend. You know what? I'll take a fate point. OK, cool. I think that's going to be a far more interesting scene. Uh, Yeah, it probably is. So, all right. Uh, Should I make you... a roll
3: of some kind for this?
0: So here's the fun thing about that is I would make you roll to see who you get, but you're being given a fate point here so uh i'm going to make things much worse for you as a result because you are you're putting yourself out there uh in a very interesting way that i love so uh okay as you you put yourself out there you put out this call you invoke odin the all father as your as your patron as, as an emissary of him you put that into the never never and uh there is a response to your call as something starts uh basically you see its head start rising up out of your pool yep um well it's got goat horns baby oh and, god is it the squire himself and it's got goat eyes and it's got a goat face. i am going kick This looks, this looks even more goat-like than the satyr. Oh, oh goodness. And uh, so, yeah, uh, about that, uh, it's also bigger than the satyr is, and it sort of squeezes its shoulders and contorts in unusual ways ectoplasm sort of sliding out from this into reality and it takes its it takes its hands that you really should be hooves that are just covered in in matted fur and just places them on the side of this of this bull against its sort of still forming torso and it breaks open the scrying bowl that you have uh and just stands up out of this sort of nothing space uh of your altar and uh it is now towering above you it is a uh i'm going to make you make a war roll right now and uh, okay. your target is going to be a 3
3: all right i'm going to hit that target with a 5 i Great. got three
0: pluses okay so, um, all right. <clears throat> you are looking at... You're looking at a billy goat. You know, the kind that kill trolls? Yep. I'm very familiar with
3: the billy goat's gruff.
0: Yeah. It's not the billy goat's gruff, but it's one like that. It's not the, one of the famous three, but uh, as, as he pulls himself out, you notice that uh, this this big dude is jacked and heavily scarred. Um, And just like he's got like, you know, bits of ear missing, uh, little like notches from various combats it's been in, Uh, little bits of fur uh, that are not so thick anymore because uh, the scarred tissue has healed there and the fur is not necessarily regrowing. So this is a really gnarly, jacked up billy goat standing in front of you uh, holding an enormous club and uh, he just looks down at you as the, uh, the water from your pool is just sort of spilled across the uh, Des's attic uh, and he just looks down and says emissary of Odin why have you called me?
3: I call. By my station as an emissary, by my position as one of the blades in the night of the Noctus Vigilia, as a protector of Burlington, Vermont, and all those who dwell within. One of your men, the squire of the Winter Court, is here hunting an agent of the Summer Court. I would like to know why blood is being spilt in my territory. And I would lack, let's just say, an accelerated ceasefire of that violence.
0: Have you ever heard a goat laugh? I've not. Okay, well, I'm not going to try to mimic it with my vocal cords because they can't do it. But just imagine this braying sound of a goat laughing. And uh, he just looks down at you and goes, (laughs) little mortal emissary you throw your weight around like you know what you have oh but you have no idea the powers in which you meddle child i am here on behalf of Mab, queen of air and darkness, whose own power your patron is beholden to. To let you know that you've talked to the squire already, but you're wrong about that. You've talked to a squire. All right. He extends a hand and says, hello, I'm a squire of the uh, night of winter. Nice to meet you mortal agent of odin i take his hand uh he is without effort squeezing your hand so tight that your joints feel like they could break
3: i straight face it
0: he there's no malice uh as he does this he's just terribly strong oh i'm aware i know and he says well since you have called here, called me here peaceably to discuss matters. And he just sort of parks on, uh, he parks his goat butt, uh, on the attic floor with a pretty noticeable, uh, thump and the creaking of the house settling against his weight is very audible. Uh, he just I says, respectfully, Let's talk. I pop
3: a sl- respectfully. I Papa Slav
0: Squad. <laughs> uh, so and he just sort of chuckles and says, Well, why don't we discuss then? Yes, I
3: would like to know the fastest avenue with which we can cease hostilities in Burlington, especially in regards to your attempts on the life of the Summer Squire. As I said, this place is under my protection. That means I am duty and honor bound to protect him, not simply as someone who dwells within this place, but as an ally and as uh,
0: as a brother. Uh, you you see that the goat is patiently listening and he just sort of reaches into a a pack that he has on him. Uh, it would be a small pack for this this goat, but of course it's like a full size backpack uh basically. And he reaches in and he pulls out a metal container that has two handles, uh, one handle on each side. Uh and he just politely he just sort of gives you a little look uh as if to suggest may I? Albion nods. And he politely, gingerly unscrews the top, uh, with very subtle motions of his large fingers and just Reaches into another thing and pulls out a saucer and a teacup and just pours himself some tea and uh, hands it to you. Albion reaches behind. Yeah. OK, never mind. Albion's going to open an AL8, but he's going to take the tea. OK, and then he reaches in and pulls out um, one of those big fucking teacups uh, that just is for like a joke kind of teacup. But for him, it is just just small enough that he can have a dainty cup of tea with you. And uh, he sort of extends it, like holding it pinched between uh, his thumb and index finger, Um, like with a little head and extends it to like clink.
3: Yep, I clink, but I don't drink yet. I'm going to, is there any way I can investigate to see if there's something wrong with it? Because I know better than to take food offered by a fae at face value.
0: Well, you can, I mean, hmm. You you have the good sense not to immediately drink it, but you can try a lore check for your passive supernatural awareness. Uh, okay, I'm going to just target? say that you're going to get a three for basic information. Okay, I got a four. Okay. Uh, you didn't beat it by an outstanding enough degree. Uh, this is, uh, I mean, obviously it's magic tea. You You just, you feel it. Very quickly, this is magic tea from the fey. This is fey tea. This is a fey offering you food and drink. Um, you can't sense anything beyond that. You don't feel any intent coming from it necessarily. You don't think that it's been magically spiked or anything. No, it doesn't feel like that. It's just you know that this is some uh, this is this is fey. This is something fey. And forgive
3: my um, my superstition, but this tea has a no strings attached no secret clauses there's no up uh, there's no other intent behind this uh and i i i know you are going to give me an honest answer on that cuz that's how you fade do
0: the billy goat just takes a sip and says mushroom tea is a delicacy where i'm from but i understand if it doesn't suit your palate
3: well i mean i might have to have my local tea expert check that out but i ain't going to look a gift tea in the mouth takes a sip very well. Mm. I imagine so, it does not taste
0: familiar to my palate, given that it's made of mushroom. No, not at all. And not only mushroom, but mushrooms that are not from Earth. So this tastes buck wild. Um, it is it is very earthy is what you would say, even though you know that it's technically not. Uh, I feel like it almost tastes more like coffee than it does like tea. It doesn't taste bitter, is the thing. Um, though, you can't help the feeling that it tastes like death. Not in a bad way, like, "uh, this is disgusting. It's made of fungus. <laughs> fungus is something that really thrives on decay. Oh, it yeah. makes sense that uh, a winter fay would be drinking mushroom tea. Uh, and you're lucky that you just didn't get something made from a slime mold, you think. So there is a sort of like it it basically tastes like the understanding that uh, mortality is a is a reality. And one day you shall uh, enter into that cold embrace, despite the fact that the drink is quite warm. So damn,
3: that is a bracing cup of tea. Side note, thank you for painting a very beautiful word picture there.
0: Oh, you're welcome. I'm very glad you could enjoy um that tea. is now available at pocketpodcastnetwork.shop. No, it's Do we, not promise not that. that. <laughs> we can't promise that. Yeah, no. There's no way we can do that. Um so he uh, he politely sips his own tea and says, "I'm so glad that we get to discuss this matter peaceably, though I'm afraid you will not particularly enjoy the answer I provide, which is that The most expedient way to cease any sort of hostilities that may exist is quite simple. Kill Marcus Walbrook, or rather, allow one of us to do so.
3: Well, I did say that was excluded from our list of options.
0: Yes, and I am simply reminding you that it is the single most expedient uh, manner to resolve this. I'm aware. Now, I shall tell you truly for as you have rightly pointed out i can do nothing but uh i and my brethren were conscripted into this duty and none of us necessarily desire this particular duty it is ignominious work we are in servitude in fact there is no glory of the position it is not a position that we publicly air. Not even to our friends, our fellows, our kin. This is not technically breaking the rules. It's, it's simply- certainly bending them. Oh, bending as far as they shall be pliable. But Aurora did start it. And Mab is only responding in kind. If he takes a nice pleasant sip of his death tea- if maybe a few steps beyond where Aurora was willing to take such a deal.
3: Huh. So, are you saying Mav gave the order for this, or does this order come
0: from, uh, the winter night? Oh, I cannot say. Oh, that's a shame. It simply would be, let's say this is not something I am able to answer, and we shall leave it at that. Well, that's fair.
3: So I understand that you are duty-bound to this. So you And you understand that I'm duty-bound to stand in your way on this.
0: Tragically, I do understand that, as we are both aligned in a certain way towards the same purpose. Wouldn't you agree? I do agree on that.
3: However, I'm also a fan of bending rules. Too, as far as they can go. I'd like to think one good turn deserves another. So what say you? You and I, since neither of us relish where this could go if it's forced to come to violence, what do you say we find ourselves a way to bend these here rules?
0: Well, indeed, let's find us a way to bend these here rules. And the goat stands up and drinks the remainder of his tea and says, How does that tea you consumed find you, mortal?
3: Like I said, it's, it's very bracing. It's easily the most emotional tea I've drank. I wouldn't mind a few bags of it.
0: Oh, but a few bags of it would come at dire cost. Then I'm gonna have to pass. Then you shall settle for the lesser cost of directing me and taking me to where your friend Marcus has fled. Yep, is that something I'm being compelled to do? You are. For you did take my offered tea and drink it, and when asked if there were any strings attached, I declined to answer, and yet you drank anyway, which tells me you knew the risks, and now you're being forced to accept and act upon those. Now. Yeah, about that. Oh. I'm gonna have to take that up the chain. Oh, he stands up to his full height, uh, which means that he is pressed up against the ceiling, the like the the roof from No, no, I, you
3: misunderstand me. I'm not gonna say no, but I will do no less than bring the Winter knot himself there.
0: The uh, club gets patted against the Goat Man's uh, big furry hand with ominous thumps. And, uh, he says, oh, no, you drank my tea. You take me where I want to go, or you have broken a deal with
3: the Fae. Michael, I would like to see if there's a lore check I could make to figure out some
0: way around this wording. Well, Tom, I would like you to make me a quick, uh, a a quick, let's go with alertness because you are kind of being forced on the spot to maybe recall something right now. So, alertness, uh, your target is going to be a three. All right, that is, I hit a four. We got a plus one. Marcus is currently on neutral ground.
3: So, yeah, uh, So here's the thing about that, is that Marcus has gone to neutral territory. He's on a corded neutral ground. Then take
0: me to him. Oh, like I, will happily,
3: I asked. I will happily take you to a court of neutral ground, but understand that neutral ground stands. Of course it does. Now, And since you're here and since we're chatting, I, I will reiterate a request I made. I would like an audience with the winter, Knight himself.
0: And, uh, the one of the squires of the, that night looks down at you and, uh, he grins a toothy goatee grin at you as his uh, weird rectangular goat eyes lock with yours from multiple feet above you. He just looks down at you and says, "I will reiterate some point of my own as we are being civil and hospitable to each other here. You take me where I want to." go oh
3: no i'm not saying i ain't gonna do that we're now back. yeah i'm st- albion is gonna start going we're gonna walk and talk but i do expect that audience
0: he puts a hand on your shoulder and uh you're you can tell he's being quite gentle because it doesn't feel like your shoulder's about to displace out of the socket
3: i would like to use my one of my abilities of holy touch as an agent of Odin, to make him not do that. He's,
0: you see, he is just grabbing your shoulder gently uh, to basically, like, sort of stop you from going any further away. Yep. Uh, you can do that if you wish. It will carry consequences. Fine, I won't do it then. I, if you want to, you can. But, uh, in fact, actually, I'm going to give you an alertness role here, Yep. To intuit kind of like his intent, his intent here. Yeah. OK, so let's go with a three. I rolled a five. OK. This does not feel hostile. Uh, this feels gentler than when he took your hand. Um, it, yeah, it, it's something that uh, I am. I'm being extreme here in saying like, you know, just sort of putting it in the terms of like, it doesn't feel like your shoulders about to dislocate. So, you know, he's being gentle. Like, it's it's softer than that, uh, but you know that he could. But yeah, he's he, it just seems it feels like a parent who's putting a hand on the child's shoulder who's about to walk somewhere where they shouldn't.
3: Yeah. So just if you give him like a second and yeah. looks up at him and that silver fire starts to leak from one of his eyes
0: and he simply uh, raises one of his hands quickly through the air donking against the attic, uh, against the roof, which makes a louder thump than he had expected, and there is an opened way into the never-never, and he, uh, he just says,
3: After you! might if I put a shirt on first?
0: This is Michael, your GM, your best friend, and funny third thing. I've said that one before, but I'm also not feeling that creative this week, because episode is well behind, and I'm just gonna get this one done so that y'all can get back to it, because I appreciate your patience uh, with things like episode delays, and I don't want to keep you from it for too much longer, so... I, I think I'm rambling now about not rambling. So, <laughs> so that's just gotten all into a weird snarl. Um, Hey, you know what keeps me from rambling? Reading books. I did it. A smooth transition if ever there was one. So I like to get my books from Abe Books, A-B-E Books, Uh, It's an online marketplace listing millions of new, used, rare, and out-of-print books and other collectible items, as well as cheap textbooks. People are going back to school right now, so that is a genuine consideration, uh, because as I always say, textbooks in college are a racket, uh, and Abe Books is a good way to kind of get around the exorbitant prices that you have to pay especially because they connect you with thousands of professional booksellers in more than 50 countries worldwide. So you can get your textbooks from a lot of places. And that's pretty cool. I am personally a fan of Abe Books. I got my uh, current reading material from there and am enjoying myself trying to get back out of that reading slump that I put myself in. So... Uh, hopefully I can lift my spirits with a fantastic dichotomy of The Phantom Tollbooth and Venice Underground. A delightful children's story uh, about imagination and a really <laughs> dark, gnarly um, sort of sci fi e fantasy weird fiction book. Opposite ends of the spectrum, but you can find those and everything in between by going to affiliates.abebooks.com slash ppn that's affiliates.abebooks.com slash ppn once again we have a pocket note this week that is a message for albion the character on this podcast and it is as always from molly tombs it reads albion Join the 21st century already and get an email address or I will send you so many letters your table will topple. Anyways, I am actually writing with a purpose today. Do you remember that little boy that got lost in that little patch of woods by the grocer when we were little? John or Jim or something like that? There was this windstorm the other night, and something about the sounds made me think of him. Could have sworn I heard his voice in it. Sorry about the weird message, just wanted to tell someone I guess and Sydney said you might be interested signed Molly well I mean now I'm just very invested in this whole plot because it's got turns uh there's there's a lot going on here that I don't know anything about and I'm the one that's supposed to be running this show here so um it's a mystery to me hopefully uh whoever Molly Toombs is is going to keep sending me money keep sending us money so that they can keep building out this story one pocket note at a time this is like serialized fiction uh it's like uh tale of two cities did you know that was serialized fiction he was getting paid for every word that's why it's so bloody long you can probably get that on a books too thanks as always to the pocket podcast network for hosting our show and a whole bunch of other great shows, uh, I would say, hey, you should plow through the backlog of good stuff like Steampunks and The Ghoul Tank um, and keep up to date on things like PokeMakers and Home Viewing. There's all kinds of fun stuff made by great people that I am very happy to be on a network with. If you like the show, enjoy the show, want to tell other people, or tell us that you are enjoying the show, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at GMMcast. And if you're going to post about the show, you can use the hashtag GMMcast, and that's going to help us see your message and sort of feel the warmth and love of somebody talking about a cool thing, and that cool thing being something that we made, which, like, that's... Okay, social media is still bizarre to me, but, like, it is appreciated, genuinely. Uh, we also have a tendency to name NPCs after listeners of the show, so that is a another good way to uh, get your name on the show is to tweet about the show with that hashtag, GMMcast, and uh, we can get you up there, in there, as somebody wouldn't that be fun Uh, hey rambling rambling michael you're doing it again if you want michael to ramble in text form um because i don't use social media that much you can join our discord server uh which is a good place with good people hanging out and talking shop about all kinds of stuff sharing art that they've made um talking music and video games and uh, playing Jackbox party games uh, when I'm able to host those. So like, yeah, it, it's really it's a really nice place. And I would encourage you to come hang out with other cool people uh, that uh, links to all that is in the episode description. And also uh, we have our merch store, which is where you can go and get pocket notes of your own. If you are so inclined, as well as t-shirts and stickers and posters, all kinds of cool things, that is pocketpodcastnetwork.com shop. If you want to support the shows you love directly and uh, gain my undying love and appreciation forever and forever and forever. All right, back to the episode.
4: Hi, I'm Daniel, game master of the actual play podcast, No Dice. Join magic assholes Ixen. There's a score between me and Doors, and so far, Doors are zero. Perry. They definitely have a lot of daggers happening. They're hiding in various spaces. Sayersha. I always love getting stories from adventurers. I I really wish I could just have, you know, one of my own. And a whole host of guest players. You can find No Dice on the first Friday of every month on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or PocketPodcastNetwork.com.
0: Awesome. So we have a Dez downstairs. We have uh, a Sly with Marcus. And uh, we know that Sly and Marcus are going to be interrupted uh, in the not-too-distant future. So why don't we have uh, Des and Ro downstairs uh, and just sort of move on to move to them for now?
1: Des is trying to keep up the appearance that she has been very ill by like going to the uh downstairs bathroom and like spraying bathroom spray and like maybe <laughs> flushing the toilet so that there's noise and she's even going to like put some cold water like on her face and her hands so that she kind of looks like she's got a little clammy and then um after that she's going to go to the kitchen and start trying to make ginger tea so you know she could be sipping ginger tea so, which is good for your stomach <laughs> You're doing like she's trying to keep up appearances, yeah. And then she's gonna take a thermometer and put it up to a light bulb.
0: (laughs) Oh my
4: god! I'm kidding.
1: She is not doing that. (laughs) I love it.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh! Incredible. So okay, you are, uh, yeah, you are keeping up appearances that you are feeling very unwell, and uh, in. Uh, After after a a little bit of of doing this, you hear a bit of a thump from upstairs, followed by creaking that, you know, is coming from the attic, but is audible downstairs. Uh, You know that Albion's up there, but that's that's noises that you hear upstairs. She's probably going to
1: rush upstairs just to be like, everything okay up there?
0: So we're gone at this point. Well, yeah. You don't hear like you don't hear any further noise just after the initial sort of whoofing of things just sort of settling. Uh, you don't hear any follow-up loud noise. You do hear the muffled sounds of of talking and low vo- like low intonation voices. Uh, you know, sort of lower, heavier type uh, voices are talking upstairs. So. Hey, maybe Albion got in touch with Odin. Who knows?
1: Just what I need. Another god in my house. <laughs> can Roe be listening at the door?
0: Yes, you certainly can. Uh oh. this is this is I can't eavesdropping. Believe I drank the fucking tea.
4: So,
0: <laughs> so this is an idiot. investigation. I'm Legitimately pissed at myself.
1: It's probably like second nature for Albion to accept tea at this point, though. If anything, blame Desdemona. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, that's on her. I would take it's, any tea anyone gave me.
1: It's learned <laughs> behavior at this point. Tea? Yes, please. Always. <laughs> it's Pavlovian. Yes.
0: So, so, uh, Ro, you Ooh. are eavesdropping, so make me an investigation roll.
4: That's a four.
0: Awesome. That beats, like, native environment kind of target of three. So you're hearing a little bit of the conversation through the door. Uh, you you hear that Beaumont is trying to sort of understand why Morden Chaplin is here looking for Marcus. Uh, and he is, of course, trying to also like stall for time by talking about how Desdemona does not feel very well right now. Uh, and that's why, you know, she didn't come to the door right away uh and like sort of ran off um so he he's pretty clearly trying to stall and like feel out for information uh from this person and not give information away as much and um yeah so you can tell that uh warden Chaplin they are trying to like ask a little bit about uh Any like if he knows anything about where marcus has been recently uh and if he's had any contact or association with him uh and eventually beaumont can't really dodge the question anymore uh and says he sort of has a pause and uh he he says let's step away from the house a bit and discuss this and uh, they move. You, you hear them walking a little bit further away, and uh, you can tell that they have dropped their voices, so they're talking much quieter. And it is basically impossible to hear them through the door now.
4: Uh, this was Beaumont's suggestion? Yes. Huh. Interesting.
0: So, yeah, you currently cannot hear them.
4: All right. You'd, can you'd have to make I a pretty like... profound
0: eavesdropping roll yeah. <laughs> to be able to pick up anything else.
4: Yeah, I... Are they standing in a way where I could read their lips?
0: You can try. Uh, you would have to be looking out a window at them, which definitely puts you at risk of being spotted doing so. True.
4: Okay, I guess I'll just leave it because Beaumont doesn't want... Uh, okay, don't really trust him anymore.
3: Our son, of course we trust him. <laughs> I don't know.
4: Anyway,
1: yeah, I I guess I'm done. I'm gonna call upstairs to Dez. I imagine by now she's noticed that the attic is empty of people.
0: Well, there were- there was some more talking and a little- a little bit more, uh, thumps and, like, creaking as the goat man stood back up and the weight shifted, but, uh, yeah, you haven't heard anything that indicates, like, a need for immediate action.
1: Okay, so I- I was expecting that she probably went into the attic to see if- if- anything was needed is what I'm trying to say.
0: Oh, okay. So yeah. Uh at the point that you decide to go up into the attic, um, there is no one in the attic anymore. And Albion's altar, uh the bowl that was on it is broken into pieces and the water inside of it is now on the uh the, the wood of the attic around it.
1: Oh dear. She's probably going to take the remnants of the bowl and bring those back downstairs to at least like the kitchen, so like she can repair it later or try to. So okay. yeah, Des is coming uh, back down the stairs to Row, and she's holding a broken bowl. So uh, Albion is not in the attic anymore, and uh, his altar bowl is smashed, which means what? I I don't know what it means. Uh I. Don't think Albion is here anymore though. Uh it might be just you, me, Beaumont, and the visitor at this point.
4: Cool. Um so I tried to listen in on the conversation happening at the door. Um they stepped away, so I couldn't hear more. When Beaumont comes back, I think you should ask him what they were talking about. I I couldn't
1: hear a lot. Well, yeah, I'm sure he'll tell us what what was shared when he comes back. I'm just worried about that other warden coming back inside. Um what what, what do we do now? <sighs> I don't know. It's like I like like if if he comes back in like do I say that we were already being interrogated by Beaumont? It's like I don't know. Like we we know Where Marcus is, it was my idea, so I know where he is, but he's in neutral territory, so technically he's safe right now. But I don't know where Albion is anymore. Um, However, uh, Sly is protecting Marcus. Uh, Yikes, 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 bikes. Hmm. Maybe I could go interrupt them. Maybe I could make my visitor a cup of tea and bring it to him outside. Um... Do you want to, or do you want to keep up that
4: you're sick? And I, I know he doesn't know that I'm here. Why don't you
1: bring him a cup of tea? Yeah, let's do that. Maybe you can slow down, veil yourself, try to listen a little more. So, so Des is going to give um, Ro a cup of tea. Not Ginger, just a, I don't know, Earl Grey or something like that. What's the weather like outside?
0: Uh, Right now, it is it's pretty uh, fair, I would say, Uh, since it is mid spring uh, in Burlington. uh, It's it's generally fairly pleasant. Uh, Blue skies, some clouds, not too warm, but not too cold.
1: Okay, so it's probably like a nice bright citrus tea of some kind then. But yeah, so she'll she'll give that to um, she'll give that to Ro and just say, all right, good luck. I will man down the fort
4: i'm gonna head out with chi and see how far i can get to them
0: okay so des uh i think you've been paying a lot of attention to your surroundings and less to like your phone necessarily yeah because yeah it's uh you i think you suddenly like remember to check like oh are they fine and yep you, you have a text that indicates that they are, in fact, at the four corners of the earth.
1: She will send back a thumbs up emoji. Perfect. So,
0: Ro, why yeah. don't you make me a roll, give me a roll, a deceit roll against how strong of a veil you want to make for yourself? Because that's Am what I... you're doing, right?
4: No, I'm just going out and giving him tea.
0: Oh, Okay. Uh, my bad. I thought you were trying to do something <laughs> sneaky and stupid. How how can you blame me? So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. We, this would not be your first time. So you are going to uh, step outside and uh, y- you see that they're both still there talking to each other, uh, both wardens. And uh, as you open and close the door, uh, in particular his attention turns uh, and he he sees you there and he just says oh Ro uh, what are you doing out here?
4: Oh um, in between bouts of visiting the bathroom um, Des still wanted to be a good hostess so she sent me out here with this and she like holds the teacup up to face level (laughs)
0: okay so there is some deception happening here uh i (laughs) will have you roll a deceit against uh someone's empathy so give me my target all
4: right i got a four
0: okay great okay um so uh warden Chaplin just kind of looks at you and uh, they're, they're just sort of standing there looking you up and down, uh, deliberately not making eye contact with you. And, uh, there's this tense moment, uh, of just kind of silence. And then they, they, they say very levelly, I'm not going to turn down the tea.
1: Um, see, no one Ro- does.
4: <laughs> Ro hands it over and just kind of like makes Uncomfortably long eye contact with Beaumont as if to say, like, y- you good out here?
0: Beaumont is uh, not looking you in the eyes. He is deliberately looking slightly offset from your eyes. Uh, so, as not to necessarily give away that he can look in your eyes. And uh, okay. he, yeah, he's just sort of looking back at you, like, well, Gave the warden their tea.
4: Yeah. Ro Ro hands it over. Um, but she still stands there awkwardly as she is one to do.
0: And uh Chaplin just looks at Beaumont, uh, look, you know, take, takes the tea, takes a sip, and says, I'm really glad that your friend isn't sick, because I probably wouldn't be drinking this if she was. So is she going to go with us, uh, Beaumont? The, uh, whoever. Is this, is this the changeling here? Yeah. Yes, um, it is.
4: Hi, I'm Ro. You've already met Beaumont. Um, what's your deal?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I know Beaumont. We fought in a war together. Uh-huh. D- they just take us another sip of tea. So, uh, yeah, have you ever been to uh, Scotland? Me yeah, you
4: um, I have not oh, you'll
0: love it. It's beautiful this time of year, especially mm. Edinburgh, though I mean you're not really going to see much of Edinburgh because uh it's hard to see Edinburgh when you're you know underground, um, God's sake, chaplain, just spit it out. There's no need to be coy about it. Ro, remember that thing that I said I would do, uh-huh. Chaplain's been sent so that I can go do that.
4: Okay, and this... What does this have to do with us?
0: You're going too. Pardon? Yeah. All of Marcus's associates are going.
4: Um, We have plans in um, a couple of hours. Is that going to affect those plans?
0: Chaplain just uh, puts a hand on your shoulder and uh just sort of go, like just sort of pats it there and uh just says just says yeah so these are your plans for the next few hours i'm afraid
4: um all right uh Beaumont- you, should,
0: you should probably go tell your friend uh that the tea is delicious and she needs to be ready for a uh a quick walk
4: yeah, absolutely. Um I might uh Beaumont if we could come over here real quick and uh have a little chat about this. Uh
0: it the the warden just looks at you and uh is like I'm not an idiot. Come on, Ro.
4: <sighs> Ro heads back into the house. Uh Dez. Yeah. I think we might need to pack a bag. I- is he gone? Uh Nope, but he will be soon, because we're all going to Scotland. Are we under arrest? Rose shrugs. (laughs) She doesn't know what's happening.
0: Over in the four corners of the Earth, uh, we have... Sandwiches being provided by everyone's favorite Ladislav, and uh, he—he's he's making your food, and he's just kind of giving you a look here and there, like he can tell that there's definitely some extra tension, uh, in the moment, uh, with you and Marcus there, and uh, Marcus he hasn't really seen for a while, so he's—he's uh, he's happy to make him a, a sandwich again. So it's just kind of—he's—he's he's kind of like trying to surreptitiously keep an eye on you two uh, while he is preparing food and uh, making sure that the restaurant is generally taken care of. So Marcus sits down at a table with you and uh, just sort of in in the back corner there. And he's like,
2: OK, so hey, hey, Sly, how have you been?
5: "Uh, Good, I guess.
2: Yeah. Kicked any more hags to death since I last saw you? Uh,
5: not really. Kicked other stuff.
2: (laughs) Not a surprise. That was kind of... That was how you always did things. This is true. Man. How... How do people like us get to places like these? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, what are we doing? I don't really think about the why, then.
5: I don't really think about the why. I just kind of roll with it.
2: Yeah... Yeah, you do. I've had to think way too much about the why. I couldn't not. There was a lot I did and never questioned. And, uh, yeah. Recently I've questioned a lot of things that were previously unexamined.
0: Unexamined. So, uh...
2: I wonder... Sorry, I don't need to go on, if you've got something.
0: I
5: was gonna ask, uh... Why was, uh... Why was that, a uh... Man asking for you.
2: Well, probably something to do. It probably has to do with Titania not being as clever as she thinks she is.
0: Yeah, it seems about right. He just—he kind of gives you a look, and it's like, like a how would you know that kind of look?
5: Mm. <laughs> just with all the Fey I've been dealing with, it seems like they all share the same brain cells sometimes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. You know what? Fair enough.
5: Same brain, same brain, same brain.
2: <laughs> mm. God, there are some Fey I can imagine chanting just like that. Yeah. Ugh. Ah, oh, man, I do not. So was this like a... A... sorry?
5: No, no. Uh, I was gonna say. So is this like a a political thing between the two courts or whatever?
2: Look, the thing we gotta understand, the courts are there to balance each other out. Ultimately, at the end of the day. If winter was just, if they had too much power, death would take over, decay, and life would eventually cease. If summer was too powerful, life would eventually overwhelm itself. So they kinda keep each other in check. It's just, you know, opposite powers in the universe have to be balanced?
5: Yeah, man, I know. I played Oracle of Seasons.
2: You know what? I'm not going to argue the Legend of Zelda reference with you. That's close enough. <laughs> sure. Hey, maybe we got a point we have some similarity we can start from. Right. <laughs> so, uh... Yeah. So I think maybe Mab figured out Aurora, tried to tip the scales, and is trying to rebalance them. So, uh... Anyway... I got another 17 or something hours to be alive. So what do you want to do?
5: Know. Wait, so when you run out of time, would you just die right there? Does somebody show up to do it?
2: Prophecies are weird. I have no clue. Okay,
5: fair enough. Uh...
0: Eladislav just kind of brings your food over to you and casually says, uh, I want to be open in 17 and a half hours, so you will die somewhere else.
4: <laughs> oh no oh, thanks man
0: shit
5: really appreciate it
0: you're welcome now enjoy uh, it's good food yeah
5: thanks <laughs> sandwich eating noises
0: thanks. okay um so just in the back room uh there's a pretty substantial noise uh it sounds like something is taking up too much space in too small of a room. And oh, uh Ladislav turns and looks, and uh you can see that there is a bit of a glow uh that is starting to emanate uh subtly from the area in which he's standing. You're not sure if like so there's something weird happening with the lights or whatnot. Um But uh, he he takes a certain posture and from uh, the door that has the picture of the Blessed Virgin Mary on it opens up and uh, trying trying vainly to fit through the frame of this door is a very tall billy goat who cannot fit inside this restaurant if he stands at full height. And squeezed in there with him is Albion Graves. And, uh... jeez. Mm, oh, hey, man, who's your new
5: BFF? Uh,
0: this is, uh, he didn't give me his name. This here's one of the squires of the Winter Court. And Marcus and the Billy Goat lock eyes, and Marcus just... his His worst suspicions confirmed scowls deeply. And the Billy Goat, on the other hand, just... Grins a broad, really unpleasant, inhuman grin, uh, and then just sort of turns his head and looks to, uh, looks to Ladislav, who is it, okay. Either something weird is happening with the lights over there, or he is doing something that you don't understand, and he just looks at him and goes, Relax, I'm just here for one of your delicious sandwiches i hear
3: albion is going to step out in front of him and i oh, would like- you.
0: and now he finally has the room to actually squeeze through the door and be standing squashed into this restaurant taking up almost the entirety of the uh, of the back portion there
3: there is an unsnapping sound and when albion turns back to face him the fire in his eye has fully ignited Uh, and he just looks at him, and with a voice that reverberates a little more than it used to, just, Not only are we on neutral ground, but I will remind you, this man is under my protection. And if you break neutrality, if you break my protection, well then we'll have that unpleasantness we both want so badly to avoid. And you ain't gonna like how that turns out. I would like to try and use a presence roll on this or something of the sort to try and make myself look big,
0: metaphorically speaking. Because I want this guy to stop being such a smug. That's intimidating. I want this guy to stop being such a smug jerk. Okay. Uh, Go for it. You're trying to intimidate to assert your. And I mean, you know what? Presence feels like you are trying to be commanding here. Yeah. Take command of the situation. So I'll let you do a presence roll.
3: All right. And. Since I'm in, since I'm putting my hand on Gugnir and doing this within my office as an emissary of Odin, would I be able to spend a, that fate point I just got to use a righteousness and add conviction?
0: Uh, you could if you wanted to. All right, because right now my goal is to protect
3: Marcus, so therefore righteousness is in effect as long as I'm pursuing that goal. Okay, there you go. Alrighty, Brilliant. in that case. That is a two plus six that is eight that is an eight
0: okay all right uh the goat rolls a social defense and while you do social damage uh you you do you do some social stress um it is not enough for the goat man to incur a consequence so He just looks at you and uh, acknowledges your words and your presence and doesn't condescend to you on this one uh, with, with the look, just nods politely and then says, well, since I certainly would not want to have anything bad happen here, I do hope that ordering several sandwiches with, I think pork is closest to troll meat, sure. Give me all the pork sandwiches that you have. Good chef. <laughs> good chef, here's a biscuit.
1: Don't patronize the chef.
0: <laughs> but do patronize the chef by going to his restaurant.
1: Do patronize his restaurant.
0: Yeah, there it is. Could be. A oh, corner. you're a good restaurant. You're trying your best.
1: Oof. Hey, let's move on.
0: I don't like where this is going. I was patronizing the restaurant.
1: Do you not want to anthropomorphize <laughs> it, restaurants? Then what are you even doing here?
0: <laughs> no, I don't oh want to be sexually attracted to a
3: Chili's.
1: What the so fuck? Wow. wow. Why on. did we jump to that?
3: <laughs> I don't what? know, man. I'm tired. <laughs> that was a I fucking think we're all Back to
1: school
0: season <laughs> at
3: my job. Is,
0: wait. Is, is someone being patronized your
3: your thing? <laughs> it's... First of all, it's not my thing. Second of all, it's called a praise kink.
4: Let's record a podcast. But patronizing isn't
3: actual praise.
4: We're recording a podcast.
3: (laughs) Oh, my God.
1: Pocket Podcast Network. Quality programming right to your pocket.